tendons sheathed in flesh. The brain says move, and it does. Organs move air and blood in a rhythm. A primitive machine. It tricks itself with a fantasy of purpose. A lie exceeding its terminable design. This lie infects the world. This disease of words and will. It is not worthy to be our kin. But as a vessel, it will suffice. An Elderblade Productions. This is Echoes of Exeser. Episode 6. Ellipses. drop fell. As New Alzar cried out in anguish, its buildings raised, its defenses shattered. The Emperor ordered his sky-touchers to destroy the pylons surrounding the floating rotunda. I watched it plummet, striking the ground like a small comet. I felt the ground beneath my feet warp from the impact. The sound of the crystal-plated walls bursting apart was deafening, like the screech of a thousand harpies. The shards glinted in the sunlight, heralding a train of fire, smoke, and ash. It would have been beautiful in its own way, were it not for the hundreds of innocents they'd left stranded inside. My body moved on its own, calmly, evenly through the chaos in the streets. Citizens fled the sky-touchers like mice from a fleet of hawks. Every few seconds a wave of arrows or spears would land, and a smattering of bodies fell. The Colosseum was reduced to a charred husk. Screams filled the healer's clinic, followed by fierce flashes of light, then silence. My head moved this way and that, observing the destruction of a fabled city. Black Sun's weapons pierced the landscape as though it were one large pincushion. Every one of them attached to a body, every one of them an instant kill. The weapons varied in size as well as shape. A lance the size of a galleon protruded from a crater it had made in the ground, leaving the rubble of a dozen buildings underneath it. Before long, I could hardly see anything at all. The ash and soot grew too thick, curtaining the sight of death. But not the sounds of hundreds dying, not the smells of burning bodies. My eyes stung and watered, but I did not blink. 
it would not let me close my eyes. In the shade, my spirit form whirled at the sound of something rushing past me. I saw nothing. Only the darkness of a void, punctuated by edges of floating glass. The only exception was the portal through which I could see through the eyes of my physical self. It was not unlike my encounter with the warden back in Sunscape. Only this time, I felt no control over myself at all. This was no parlay. This was a takeover. Perhaps that's why Ellipsis left me access to my sight. To show me what I'd lost. Again, that phantasmal sound. As before, it was accompanied by nothing I could sense. I suspected it was my new master playing tricks on me. I am Claude Von Der, I said, my voice sounding like almost nothing within this vacuum. I am kin of the Ebon Mist. I would have audience. My words and my spirit form were swept up in a torrent of wailing spectral wind. I tumbled through the dark void, choking for air. Glass cut into my back as I slammed onto the ethereal floor. I wheezed my mouth filling with the warm, coppery sensation of blood, though it was merely a projection of my mind. Okay, I thought through the pain. Not the talkative type, I see. I sat up, as a familiar sight caught my eye through the portal. My physical self had rounded a corner into a dark alleyway. Through the ashen veil I saw the symbol of the sword and smoke, Cries of protest erupted out of me as I saw my own hand reach for the mist door. The door melted away into a tunnel of swirling blackness. I stepped through, leaving the choir of devastation to fade into nothingness behind me. I expected the echoes of Exeser to envelop me in its place. Nothing that had happened until then had made my hope falter. It was only when the silence gripped the cold, indomitable tunnel that I began to feel well and truly lost. Then, and only then, I heard its voice again, detached yet aggressive. It spoke in present tense, narrating events as they occurred. It was more an internal monologue than actual speech. Was I hearing something I shouldn't be? Or was this another form of torture it had devised? Either way, Ellipsis's thoughts poured into my mind, drowning out my own. The vessel feels fear. We pilot it towards the domain of its former master, the one it calls Isolde. A fright such as we, powerful, if the vessel's memories are to be believed. But she is young yet, only a few scant millennia. She was not there at the forge of the gods. She has not seen the faces of the Fright King. 
She knows not his grand design. We will teach her. The ebon mist greets us at the end of the tunnel, a land of doorways and glowing trees. We speak with the vessel's voice. Isolde? What a crude sound its throat makes. Isolde, where are you? Something is wrong in New Alzar. She's out, Von Der. Another mortal voice from behind us. A human female. Red hair, shorter than this vessel. In its hands, there is a device of the old vessels. A small metal box with concentric circles around it. It repairs the device with a small metal pick as it speaks. Had to look into an emergency in Sunscape. What's wrong? Fool. To leave her stronghold undefended, save for this diminutive mortal. We will take pleasure in seizing his old power for ourselves. There's no time to wait for her, Quinn. That is the mortal's name, judging by the vessel's screams from inside us. Something is coming for us, for the Ebon Mist. We need her here. Can we summon her? Summon her? Sure. Despite our warnings, the red-haired mortal seems unperturbed and continues to tinker with the device in its hands. Just one moment. Gotta fix some bugs in the system here. Quinn, I said there's no time. We need to find Azold now. One second. These old toys of mine are so finicky. Quinn, just got to flip this switch here, and... There we go. We understand the mortal's intentions a moment too late. It activates the device. The concentric circles extend outward from the box and crackle with purple lightning. They form five rods, spinning around the edges of the box. We try to dodge, but the arcs of lightning strike us. The arcs form coils around the vessel's body. We are immobile, racked with searing pain. We grit the vessel's teeth and hiss at the mortal. Soul quiver. Well, I named it the Gravitron, but that's actually better. The mortal says, followed by a shout. Now, old. A puff of smoke behind us. A wraith appears. Androgynous, covered in moss and vines, armored in plates of bark. Its head is covered in red vipers, and all that is visible is its solid yellow eyes. Isolde plunges a clawed hand deep into the vessel's chest. There is no blood. She reaches not for it, but for us. From deep within, we hear again the declarations of the vessel's soul. We try to stop it, but we are under siege. The words fulminate and rise from deep within, overtaking the vessel's throat and becoming words.
I am Claude Von Der, kin of the Ebon Mist. In the name of Isolde, I cast you out. As I fell to the ground, I watched Isolde's spectral hand pull out of my chest, dragging an oily, leech-like essence out with it. She hurled it into the soul quiver, the electric cage generated by Quinn's device. The three of us stepped back, watching as the enraged essence of Ellipsis crashed its globular body against the electric coils. Air couldn't get into my lungs fast enough. As I heaved, Quinn knelt by my side. Isolde continued to watch the fright royal and rage inside its entrapment. I was so fixated on the sight that it startled me to hear it speak again. You would imprison one of your own, sister. It asked Isolde. Are you truly so far strayed from the path of our creator? I will not parley with an interloper, Isolde seethed. Petty tricks will not protect you forever. This form is but a fraction of our true power, youngling. Pity, said Isolde, raising up a hand. Not much of a meal, then. She closed her fist. From the distance, in the endless expanse of gray light, I saw a swarm of black dots growing ever larger. Despite my exhaustion, every impulse in my body told me to get as far away as possible. Quinn did the same. Only Isolde stood her ground, watching with grim satisfaction as her cravers swooped in to feed. Four bat-like wings, each tipped with grasping, dagger-sharp talons. A forked tail, scaled and spiked, the tips of which were drenched in a viscous, paralytic poison. Their black fur was long, patchy, and mangled, a result of the endless mid-air dogfights they waged with each other whenever there wasn't any food. Six beady red eyes peered out from the triangle-shaped clumps of hair they called heads. When they screeched, I could see rows of blood-stained teeth lining all the way down their throats. They were each the size of a hunting hound, and there were hundreds of them. The cravers descended on Ellipsis's cage. They piled atop one another, pushing, clawing, and biting each other to get through to their prey. The ebon mist was filled with the roars of a dying fright, as it was torn apart piece by piece by a horde of incessant predators. It lasted all of a minute. Then, the cravers dispersed, revealing emptiness where the cage used to be. All that remained of Ellipsis were the echoes of its pain. Isolde took a deep breath, lingering a moment on the sight. Her shoulders sagged, and for a moment she looked older and more tired than I'd seen her in a long while. She recovered quickly, and returned to myself and Quinn. None of us said anything for a moment. I broke the silence. How did you know? Quinn shrugged. Your energy signature was all over the place when you came through the mist door. I prepared this in case something was wrong. She gestured to the device, the one Ellipsis called a soul quiver. What really sealed it, though, was when you asked to summon Isolde. 
Even in a crisis, you'd be an idiot to try that. I paused, letting her explanation simmer in my mind. If it hadn't been for them, I would have been Ellipsis's thrall forever, and the Ebon Mist may have fallen as a result. Thank you, I whispered. I found myself unable to meet their gaze. Explain, Vondaire, was all Isolde said in response. I failed. Starsired has the weapon. She used it to sack New Alzar. They didn't stand a chance against her. I tried to escape, but I was nearly killed. Ellipsis brought me back, but possessed me in the process. Wait, I'm sorry, said Quinn. One woman took out the most advanced city in the world? And now the Kikte have access to all their Alzarian technology, Isold added. Her tone was cool and contemplative, a sure sign she was angry. There's more. At the summit, I met the Inquisitor again. She said she wanted an audience with the Minister. Said she knew about the Ebon Mist, how to open the doors. What? Quinn said, fingers running through her tangled hair. Did she... I was disguised, I clarified. With her, at least. Didn't have time to reclaim the false face when I ran. Oh, no problem. Just an invaluable piece of equipment. Quinn stepped away, breathing deeply as she retrieved the device. Did she say how? Isolde breathed. Is she also working with Ellipsis in some way? I don't know. I don't think so. She wasn't involved with the negotiations. Isolde sighed. She dispersed her battle regalia into a cloud of smoke, replacing it with the familiar form of a middle-aged woman in hempen robes with wide, owl-like eyes. They looked at me now with hard judgment, but also pity. The magic is waning, Vondaire. The magic that protects your loved ones. Fate will stitch up its own tears. Then I've got to get them out of here, I said. It's not safe for them here anymore. We need to focus, Vondaire. With Black Sun and New Alzar's strength behind them, Azenra is unstoppable. All of Exesar will fall to them within the year, if not sooner. The Emperor seeks conquest, but Ellipsis will not stop until it casts its silence upon the world. Ellipsis's words came to mind, about the Fright King and his grand design. Isolde, what did Ellipsis mean when he referred to your creator? Isolde hesitated a moment, fighting inwardly about how much she ought to divulge. She walked to the edge of the mist's precipice and called up another shadowy projection. It depicted a humanoid, covered head to toe in robes. Layered atop the robes were scores of masks. Some resembled mortals, while others appeared more abstract or monstrous. His face was covered by a minimalist black-and-white mask with no features. Winvarian! Isolde declared. One of the old gods. Lord of eternity, mysteries, and knowledge. Creator of the frights. 
I studied the image. I was vaguely aware of the old gods, from the odd conversation with Isolde and my dealings with the frights. Most of the world today had never heard of them, and many that did were quickly killed for heresy by the Adenists. To think that Ellipsis and Isolde would come from the same creator. You once told me you had a purpose in this realm, I said. So does Ellipsis. Which of your plans aligns with your, uh, father's? Isolde crinkled her brow. I suppose each of them could be seen as interpretations of Winvarian's will. And what is his will? It is forbidden for mortals to know, Isolde said slowly. But, ultimately, peace. I seek it by removing Arkine's influence from this world. And Ellipsis seeks it through annihilation. I guess a fright that's lived since the dawn of time has some old-fashioned views on the world. If he's so old, what's he been doing all this time? Quinn picked up the soul quiver. It was still hot from the discharge. Quinn yelped when she touched it, passing it between her hands and blowing on it. I believe he was imprisoned, Isolde said. He called your device a soul quiver. That was the name the Alzarians gave their fright cages. Perhaps that explains the connection to the Alzarian ruin. He was never released after the sundering, left to rot. And if this black sun thing is Alzarian, maybe that was what he was being used for, Quinn offered. A battery to power their engine of war. It tracks with Starsired's account, I chimed in. She said she'd been sent to destroy it at first. Then it offered her a pact in exchange for its life and freedom. But that happened during the Battle of Widow's Ridge. The Candlelight War has been over for years now. Why wait? To regain strength, perhaps, his old guest. Millennia is a long time for a fright to be trapped. A fraction of our power. Ellipsis's words came back to me again. I thought of Denarthi, Starsired, and myself being under its thrall. It takes a tremendous amount of power to maintain multiple pacts, like with Isolde's various agents. Something else didn't sit right with me, though. It was something about the Alzarian weapon. Something about what I'd seen of Black Sun's form in New Alzar. Maybe Ellipsis is still trapped. I said. Part of it, anyway. If the Alzarians wanted to make the ultimate weapon, would they really just stop at one? The drawing Denarthi made showed a massive forge. The one Starsired had was much smaller. Maybe that prompted the summit with New Alzar in the first place. To gain tech and information needed to excavate the ruins in Widow's Ridge. You mean Ellipsis could get even more powerful? Quinn exclaimed. Perhaps. Or we could find a way to defeat it before it's fully released. If there is a chance that's true, we need to get there as soon as possible. Isolde dispersed the projection and called up Quinn's laboratory. As if in a dream, the ebon mist shifted all around us into our next location.
the precipice, glowing trees and doors melted away, replaced in an instant with stone walls, clockwork constructs, and bubbling cauldrons. With any luck, our fair-weathered friends, the Miraculous Four, are making their way to Widow's Ridge with Denarthy in the map of the ruins. Quinn, have you been able to track their location? Quinn practically read his old's mind, retrieving a leathery scroll off one of the tables before the fright had finished speaking. She rolled it out onto the floor. It was a map of Exeser, etched in bright gold ink. Quinn took out a fresh bag of raven dust and sprinkled some over the map. The gold lines glowed, and a cluster of bright gold dots lit up on the map. Five of them, near the northern border of Roth. The four, plus Denarthy. Near as I can tell, the Raven Dust Trail puts them somewhere around the town of Cragfall. Sleepy, goat-herding hamlet about fifty miles from Widow's Ridge. Closest mist door is in a river basin about thirty miles south. You need to leave now, Von Der, Isolde said. Anticipating my response, she added, Bring Zara and Leona with you if you must. Put them up in the town before you find the four. But be careful. As far as we know, Denarthi is still enthralled to... It was as though the words evaporated from Isolde's mind. She stopped cold, mouth twisting for something to say. Isolde? I asked, and went to place a hand on her shoulder. Both of her hands shot up in protest. Isolde backed away from us, as a look spread across her face that I'd never seen before. One of panic. Isolde collapsed. Her hands tore at her throat as she writhed in silent anguish. As she did, her form began to shift again. Only this time it didn't stop shifting. A kaleidoscope of forms spread across her body. Eyes, mouths, wings, fangs, fur, scales. Limbs grew and shrank, and we heard the splitting of flesh and cracking of bones. Then we watched as Quinn's lab began to dissolve into mist around us. It's Ellipsis, I shouted. He's still here. How? Quinn yelled. The Cravers! I spun around and grabbed Quinn by the shoulders. We need to get out of here, I said. Grab whatever you can, now. Horror gripped Quinn's gaze, but she listened. She bolted around the room as it faded like quicksand around us. Hastily, she dug up whatever she could find and threw it in a bag. I've got a couple of explosives, she said shakily, plus a prototype focus gem I've been working on. But I haven't tested it. No time like the present. Von Der, Quinn said her voice cracking as she passed the bag to me. If Isolde falls, she won't, I said, taking her hand. Come on. We can't just leave her. We can't help her here, Quinn. We have to move. But move, I said again. We fled out the front door to the lab. I chanced one final look at Isolde before the lab faded completely. There was still fire in her golden yellow eyes, a burning fury that came with being an elder fright. But there was also fear, and for the first time since I made my pact with the mistress of the Ebon Mist, I saw a hint of mortality. Quinn and I raced across the plains of the mist. 
We watched as the ground beneath us vanished into air, like it was being exhaled. In the distance we heard the ravenous squeals of the cravers. The horde had caught our scent, and were swooping towards us at alarming speed. I took off my phantom ring and gave it to Quinn. The armor, I said. She summoned it. Armored plates of black energy coated her, just in time to repel some of the beast's advances. Half a dozen of them swarmed me, each licking their fangs and gawping hungrily. I blasted them with Delvacus's sonic ring. The force of the blast hurled them into the sky, where they reconvened with their brethren and resumed their assault. I repeated my attack as we ran, until we reached a particular mist door, located near the precipice. As the Craver Horde descended on us like locusts, we leapt inside the door. Barreling through the tunnel, we arrived at a facsimile of a cabin in the Crownwood Forest, Zara and Leona's temporary home. My feet devoured the ground under me as we made for the cabin. Already I could feel something eating away at the magic protecting their sanctuary. The skies were becoming darker, the trees were losing their color. It may be too late, I couldn't keep myself from thinking. Ellipsis may have gotten to them, may have made them into... Two familiar sights broke my train of thought. Zara and Leona were hanging laundry outside the front porch of their cabin. They saw us emerging through the tree line at breakneck speed. Instantly, Zara's face lit up in worry. The laundry fell from her hands as she scooped up Leona and ran to meet us. What's going on, Von Der? Zara asked. It's not safe, I said, taking her hand. We're leaving. My words drowned under the invading sound of Craver's screeching. I looked back at the tree line. Throngs of the creatures burst forth from the shadows beyond the trees. Their wings pummeled the air and their teeth gnashed, as though the four of us were the only food they'd ever seen in their miserable lives. The gem, Quinn, I said, and the explosives. Quinn dug both out of the pack. She handed me the focus gem, charged with the glowing black light of the ebon mist pulled out a strange Alzarian orb. It was made of metal, and had a pin sticking out of the top. I squeezed the focus gem in my hand, gesturing for the women to take hold of my arm. Quinn pulled the pin on the orb, cocking her arm back as she seethed at the cravers. For Isolde, she murmured. The orb glinted in the waning light as it left Quinn's hand. We watched it soar into the cloud of cravers, some sixty feet away from us. Their legion of red, pinprick eyes all fixated on us. The mass swallowed the orb, and for a moment it seemed like nothing at all would happen. Precious seconds passed. Our doom closed the short distance between us. So close I could smell their breath, feel the heat on their bodies, the wind off their beating wings. Then, I saw a flash of white light from somewhere in the mob of cravers. As the focus gem's energy channeled the mist into a swirl around our bodies, the orb erupted in a torrent of fire and shrapnel. The cravers recoiled, loosing a hellish peal. Flame consuming their bodies was the last thing we saw, as the mist consumed ours.
The mist tunnel dropped us off in the river, near the basin on the map Quinn had shown me. We dunked into the stream, cold and deep but thankfully slow. The four of us swam to a nearby sandbank, pulling ourselves out to dry and catch our breath. Isolde, I thought. The mist, the other agents. There was no way of knowing what had happened. Was Isolde still fighting Ellipsis? Had Ellipsis won already and taken over the mist for itself? What would that mean for anyone soul-bound to Isolde? Would Ellipsis be able to track us? Turn tools like the Phantom Ring or my Raven Dust against me? We've got to keep moving, I panted, as soon as I had enough air in my lungs to speak again. I stood up, shakily, offering a hand to Quinn. The Miraculous Four are in Cragfall. They're our only chance of finding the ruins. Fondaire... Zara's voice was quiet, catching. I turned to face her. She was pale, even for having just survived such an ordeal. Tears streamed down her cheeks. Her expression was panicked, helpless. She could not bring herself to say what was wrong. She simply looked down at Leona. A strained whimper was all I could muster at the sight. Leona rested in Zara's lap, couched in her nest of chestnut-brown hair. The brave, intrepid girl who threw apple-shaped cannonballs at her enemies. Nix's pride and joy. The one I'd risked everything I had to keep safe. She was breathing. Her eyes were open. But when she opened her mouth to speak, no words came out. Three red dots lined her arm, freshly picked from her skin. Echoes of X Caesar is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofxcaesar at gmail.com.